Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, it's Saturday Apologetics, and we're discussing the most important question, what is the church? That's next, here on Fig Tree Watchers. And uh, you know what? Tonight, we got a great one for y'all. We're going to be discussing the church. There's a lot of misconceptions about it. So invite your friends, tell grandma... And uh, why don't you uh, send a, a letter to Aunt Mary and ask her to come and check this out tonight. Hey, it's going to be a great one, everyone. And I look forward to discussing this very important topic. Because I think we often forget what the church is. And tonight, we're going to be looking at it scripturally. Uh, we're we're going to bring up the other views. But we're going to look at it exactly what the scripture says congruently about it. And I think that that's important. So get ready. Invite your friends and let them know it's Saturday Apologetics and we're discussing what is the church. Background song is Steve Camp and it's Upon This Rock. I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Great song from the 80s. Thought it was appropriate for tonight. Hope you're having a great week. Want to remind you all that you can listen to the replay of this broadcast here on Instagram. And uh, if you're thinking about uh, listening to it on podcast form, we have that as well on all the major platforms. So we'll give a couple of minutes here to invite everyone on. Uh, so good to see you, those who are checking in already, uh, fantastic, and uh, hope you ha- are having a fantastic Memorial Weekend, honoring those who uh, served our country and have fallen and have been wounded and have suffered uh, for the sake of our freedom. Uh, we cannot forget what Memorial Weekend is about uh, because of that. Uh, They fought for the freedoms that so many are willing to give up today, not understanding the price that was paid uh, to protect those freedoms. So this Memorial Weekend, please um, thank someone who served uh, and uh, think about those who gave up their lives so that you could be free, so you would have the right to worship because many people in the world don't have that right. Uh, because they live in an unjust country. All right. Well, as I mentioned, uh, tonight we'll be going through the scripture um, and we'll be looking at what is the church. And it is so good to see so many of you on here tonight. It's uh, a blessing. Before we do, as always, let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you so much that we can come together together as a body of Christ and we can search your word and we can learn from it and we can understand it. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come down upon us, God, and give us godly wisdom, that it would guide us to all truth in your word, Lord. And we pray, God, that we would have understanding that would transform our hearts and renew our minds and draw us closer to Jesus, closer to Jesus. And this we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, tonight, uh, if uh, Cody or Rafshir would like to, to post the passage, we're actually looking at a very short passage. Uh, 
It's from John chapter uh, 16, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 19. John, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19. Why don't we begin? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, what do, who do men say that I am? Uh, the son of man? And they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, this is a great passage because what it does is it establishes that Jesus is God. It establishes that Christ is the Messiah and it is the confession of Peter that is paramount here in this passage because it is of that confession that Christ gives Peter and says, blessed are you because this information that you received did not come on your own knowledge. It came from your father who is in heaven. It was revealed to you from him. Now this is great because James actually says this very well. He says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. This is that godly wisdom. And in John chapter 16, John uh, Jesus talks about this too, that the Holy Spirit comes to guide you to all truth. So we have this understanding that God is going to grant us wisdom when we are open to the truth of God's word. And it is so important that we remain open to that truth through the Holy Spirit so that we're guided to all truth. Now upon this, then Jesus makes a very profound statement that has caused a disruption in the body of Christ, the church, for eons, over 2,000 years. He says to him, you're Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, if you're Catholics, you believe firmly that this is saying that, you know, Peter is the foundation of the church, the head of the church. He's the Pope. He was the first Pope. And they take it straight from this. And the Catholics bring up every early church father who said anything that Peter was the first Pope or that Peter was the head of the church. And it, and it, it's, it's their diatribe that they live, breathe, and die on. And it is important that you understand this. This is one of the theologies that's out there. In fact, let's examine it a little bit 
so that you can understand just how deep of an understanding where they get this from. And I, I want you to understand this. Um, the first one that we'll look at is some of the um, early church fathers that I, I just kind of want to read. Um, let's start with Jerome, St. Jerome, who translated uh, the Bible into the Latin, which was the Vulgate, which um, Bible scholars are very familiar with, the Latin Vulgate. He said this, I follow no leader but Christ and join in communion with none but your blessed Pope Damascus, that is, with the chair of Peter. I know that this is the rock on which the church has been built. Whoever eats the lamb outside the house of profane and anyone who is not in the ark of Noah will perish when the flood prevails. The church here is split in three parts. It is eager to seize me for its own. Meanwhile, I keep crying. He that is joined to the chair of Peter is accepted by me. And he's referring to the very seat that the Pope of the Catholic Church sits on to this very day. So this chair that they believe is the chair of Peter. And so they, they make it very, very clear. Hey, um, this is from Jerome. This is what Jerome said. This is St. Jerome's words. Um, and the Catholic Church utilizes this. But there's a couple of questions when you're reading this that, that should disturb you. He says, He that is joined to the chair of Peter is accepted by me. You know what? How we're joined as the church? We're joined as the church by Jesus Christ. And he should accept anyone who believes on Jesus, that Christ died for him and rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. And so it is the unity of Christ, believing on Christ, that he should accept those who believe. But that's not what he said. And it disturbs me greatly. Um, and so they firmly believe this. Here's Augustine, and uh, this is an interesting one. There are many other things which rightly keep me in the bosom of the Catholic Church. The consent of the people and nations keep me. Her authority keeps me. I think this is interesting. Inaugurated by miracles, nourished in hope, enlarged in love, and established by age, the succession of priests keep me from the very seat of the Apostle Peter to whom the Lord, after his resurrection, gave charge to feed his sheep, down to the present uh, episcopate of Pope Syracus. On this matter of the two councils have already been sent to the apostle, uh, he said, and from the scripts to have come, this matter is at end. Would that error too might be at an end? And that is what he's saying there is, look, I have firmly established that it's Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, for which the very seat, he's talking about the chair of Peter again. Um, and then because Peter's job was commissioned by Jesus to feed the sheep. And so they establish it through there. It is interesting because I can go on and on of person after person after person who believes that Peter is the rock within the Catholic Church. And that's... It's very fascinating. 
Now, the Protestant view is also different. And I'm, I'm going to go back to this Catholic view in a little bit because I want to, we're going to talk about it. Uh, don't think I'm going to leave you just espousing their view. I'm not. I just wanted to do it very fairly here tonight and objectively. The Protestant view is also very interesting. Now, the Protestant view argues that it's the confession of Peter's faith that Christ is the Lord, right? He says, blessed are you, Simon, for God revealed this to you, right? What was the confession? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So it, the Protestant view is to say, hey, wait a moment. This is that confession, okay, that the rock is based upon. So when you're, you're saying this, you're saying you are Peter and on this rock, your confession, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I would say this is a pretty good argument on the basis of just reading the scripture. If you're a childlike faith and you're coming to the word of God and you're looking at it, you're going, yeah, this is a pretty good argument to be made. However, the Catholics, man, they, they barrage this argument quite well. Uh, they do it a couple of ways. Number one, they argue that when he says you are Peter and on this rock, Petras, Petra, it's using a masculine word and in a feminine word. And that just doesn't go together. Um, others will say, well, wait a moment. Remember, it's coming from the Aramaic, the Catholics argue. And so he's, Matthew is translating from the Aramaic. Now, I understand there are some Bible scholars who say, wait a moment. Matthew was originally written in Hebrew because it's to the Jewish people. I get that. But I'm giving the argument that the Catholics are making. I know some scholars disagree with that. So they're arguing, hey, wait a moment, it's coming from the Aramaic. So when you translate, it's Caiaphas, it's rock and rock. So that actually makes no sense. And so therefore, you have to understand that he is saying, you are Peter the rock. And on this rock, I am building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So the Catholics come out once again, uh, barraging this with the feminine and the masculine uh, wording here and utilizing the Aramaic argument for the translation here. And once again, it seems like it's a great strong argument that is being made. Then there's another view that's out there. And that is that when Jesus is saying this, he's saying, okay, you're Peter, but on this rock, and he's referring to himself, Christ, Christ being that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I think that this is important to understand. So this is more of a congruent thought. However, it's partially incomplete. And we're going to go over that. So before we do, let's go ahead and define what the church is. Because since that's what the topic of tonight is. The church is defined both in scripture and in uh, biblical dictionaries that you can pick up, Strong's Concordances, other dictionaries that are out there. A sacred assembly called out before God. It is a sacred assembly of who? Those who believe in Jesus Christ. So let's get this very clear for a moment. The church is not a building, right? It's not 
a uh, a place that you go to. It's not uh, an, a uh, location that you go to either. Okay, a, 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 and I mean that in two ways. It's not like a country. It's not a place. Uh, it's not a building. Um, it's not an organization. I want to make that very clear. It's not an organization that you belong to. And so although there are people who are in the church, they may not be of us. Why? Because they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died for our sins. On the third day, he was risen from the dead by the Lord. And they've never confessed that Jesus is Lord with their mouth and declared that he is God. And nor do they believe in their hearts on this. And because of that, they're not saved. So they may belong to the church, but they're not of the church. That makes sense because they are not saved. In fact, Jesus gives this really good analogy when he says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we cast demons out in your name. We heal the sick in your name. And he will say to them, I depart from me, you who practice iniquity. I know you not. Why? Is it their denominational affiliation that didn't work for Jesus? No. It's their confession of faith that they did not declare that Jesus is God. They did not make a confession of faith. So it is important to understand that the church is a sacred assembly. Now, I brought this up because if for those of you who are with me, when I went over Joel chapter two some time ago on a discussion of the rapture, I actually brought up uh, this discussion um, in verses 15 and 16. And that is, we can see it in scripture, the definition of that assembly. Uh, in verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, uh, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Now this is interesting because that is exactly what the church is. It is a sacred assembly, a gathering of people that are sanctified through baptism um, and by the Holy Spirit called out of their homes to God. In fact, the word ecclesia, which is the word we use for church, means called out assembly or congregation, called out. So that is really the epitome of that definition. So what, is this, what does this really mean for us when we're looking at it? So let's look at it congruently then. Let's look at two important factors in this verse. Number one, the word rock, and let's look at the word church, the word church there. I'm going to argue tonight congruently through scripture. I think the mistake that everyone makes is focusing on the word, the rock. I think the focus is actually the assembly. Here's why. In the next verse, 19, he says to Peter, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you build on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in, in heaven. Now, the Catholic Church argues that, see, Peter was given exclusive rights to do this. This is why he's the first pope of the church in which uh, the church could be built upon. He is that rock. 
However, however, that's not scripturally accurate. Uh, let's look at this for a moment. In chapter 18, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And in verse 18, he says to them, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two or of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, I will be, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, this is an, a, a, an amazing thing to think about because Jesus actually says, this again in the book of Revelation, when he is talking in chapter 1, he says in verse 12, John is describing the scene in heaven, and I want to get to what Jesus then says. In verse 12, he says, Then I turned and saw the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. Now, this is a description of Jesus. In fact, this matches it up perfectly with Daniel chapter 10, his vision of Jesus. They're almost identical here. This is Christ the King in the midst of them, right? Now, what's interesting is when you get later on down the verse uh, in that chapter, verse 20, it says, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw, in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So Jesus is saying, I'm in the midst of the seven churches. And how do we know this? Because in chapter two, he starts talking to Ephesus and he says these very same things. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. He's addressing the church of Ephesus and he's saying, I'm in the midst of you, matching up with what he says there in Matthew, that I'm where two or three are gathered in my name. In what name? In the name of Jesus Christ. I am there in the midst of them. This is so powerful to understand. Look, I, I understand that this is probably a lot, very deep and theological to you, but I want you to understand the importance of this because it lays a strong foundation for you in understanding. It lays the foundation that Jesus is saying, not just to Peter, but to the body of Christ, all of us, Hey, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All of us get that privilege, not just Peter. So we're all able to receive that. Now let's, let's look at something else that I want to talk to you about. You're going to notice that in John 
Let's look there real quickly because I think this is a, an important passage. In John chapter 20, Jesus is addressing the disciples after he rose from the dead and he is commissioning them. And I love this because in verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, before the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, here's that in the midst, a very important thing. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands at his and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. See, they saw the resurrected Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Whatever you bind on earth is bound. Whatever you loose on earth, it will be loosed. Listen to that verse on sin and the retaining of sin and how it matches up with Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is talking about sin, binding sin and loosening sin. The keys to the kingdom are given to all of us for by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and leading someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus. We therefore help them bind their sins on earth so that they will be bound in heaven or we loose their sins upon them and they will be loosed in heaven upon them. This is so important because why? We are the church. We are the church. Christ is our head. He is in the midst of the church, but we are the church, the sacred assembly of those who believe on Jesus. So important. So then what, what is the, the point that the Catholics and the Protestants are arguing about? Is Peter really the rock? Are the Catholics right about this? Is he the foundation of the church? Well, let's now look congruently at this for a moment. And then we're going to go back to uh, making the point here that I want to make through the scripture. Starting in Psalms 31.3, congruently, David says, for you are my rock and my fortress, for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Remember, two or three are gathered in my name's sake. I am there in their midst. So he is stating very clearly in Psalm 31.3, David is saying that Jesus is his rock and his fortress because he's gathered in his name and God will guide him on it. But let's look at some other ones. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes, whoever believes will not be in haste. Well, that's exactly what Romans chapter 10 says. You will not be put to shame. Now, Psalm 62 too. He only is my rock 
and my salvation, my fortress. I am not greatly shaken. So Jesus is our rock. David is saying again. Um, in fact, you go to this one, Isaiah 26, 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Psalms 18, 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take my refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So upon this rock, I will build the church. What? The rock is the foundation of salvation, the confession of faith, right? Well, this is kind of what the Protestants are arguing uh, very strongly. But it's more than that. And we're going to understand it. It is not just the confession. It's who the confession is on. It's on Jesus. It's Jesus. The center point of that confession is a rock. It's a foundation. In fact, let's look at something Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.4. And all drank the spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Or as the ESV says, and the rock was Christ. So Paul is arguing that Christ is the rock. Paul is. All right. Romans, he says, as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Who do you have to believe in? Jesus. You have to believe in Jesus. So it is not the confession of faith that would be the rock. It is who the confession is made about that is the rock. This rock. So bear with me because I'm going to really demonstrate this as we go to First Peter. And I think you're going to really um, come away with with a new understanding for First Peter. We're going to look at chapter 2. Coming to him as a living stone, this is Peter talking here, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Now, Peter's going, look, let's go back to the scripture. Look at the scripture, please. Peter's saying, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. He's quoting from the Old Testament. This is what he's doing here. It's from Isaiah 28. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Wow. Because Jesus is the rock of offense. Why? Because he is our judgment. He brings our judgment upon us. This is so important for us to understand. So important for us to understand. 
So when we're looking at this then, and we're saying, okay, then why did he point to Peter? Why do you say you, Peter? Because Peter's one of us. He is one who stumbled and fell. He is in the flesh like us, a sinner like us. In fact, I would argue that um, even as a, a strong Christian, he, he struggled. Paul had to go to him. He talk, talks about this in Galatians. He went to Peter and opposed him to his face. And he said, look, you can't tell people that they need to go and get circumcised, become a Jew in order to follow Jesus. It's just about following Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So the rock that is being referred there is, it's the foundation is the belief on Jesus, not the confession of the faith, it's Jesus being the rock that is the foundation on which the entire church is built upon because Jesus is building it on himself because he's the one who died on the cross for our sins. How could it be Peter? Peter's fallible. But the church is built on fallible individuals who recognize they need a savior. They need a savior. Matthew chapter one is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's a genealogy of flawed individuals who sinned and, and some rebelled against God. Prostitutes, murderers, liars, fornicators, adulterers. They all con looked forward toward the cross, recognizing that they needed a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. It's who the confession is being made upon that is the rock. It's Jesus. He is our rock, as Paul said. He was the one who led the people of Israel out of Exodus. He was the one who provided the living water. He's that rock. He is our very foundation on which we believe as the church. And if you don't believe on Jesus, then you're probably gonna be the one who says, well, I'm good enough, I'm religious enough, I go to church, I go to this denomination, I go to that denomination, I give, I tithe. And Jesus is gonna say, but you don't believe on me. You haven't confessed with your mouth that I am your Lord. You're just giving me lip service. And so although you say, Lord, Lord, you've never believed. So depart from me, you who practice iniquity, for I know you not. I think this is so important to understand. The other aspect that I really want to emphasize here is, again, that the church is a people. It's a sacred assembly that has been called out. Called out of what? The darkness. First Peter emphasizes that. You've been called out of the darkness, right? 
Listen to what he says. You are chosen by God and precious. You as living stones, rocks, are being built up a spiritual house, the church, the assembly, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what we are. A called out sacred assembly. Today, there's so much confusion of it. Theologies. I encourage you, all you need is God's word. It is sufficient for our faith. I like the church fathers. I'm sure some of them will be in heaven one day. But if you have to add to your faith the oral traditions of men over the word of God, which is infallible, which is complete, which needs nothing else added to it, then you're making a big mistake. You're guilty of the very sin of the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees who leaned on the sacred aspects of the temple, the oral traditions of the law, but not who the law was about. It was about Jesus. And if you think it's all about the church, you're wrong. It's all about Jesus and where you stand with Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now it's interesting because when we go back to the passage in Matthew, Jesus keeps on speaking in chapter 16. And when he gets to verse 24, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. It's interesting because John got to see the vision of Jesus coming in his kingdom. He fulfilled that. The coming of the kingdom of Christ. Where two or three are gathered in his midst is a sacred assembly, a called out assembly. The important thing is to be in the midst of Christ, you have to belong to Christ to deny yourself and pick up your own cross and follow Jesus.
tell you this all the time. Don't follow me. Don't even follow my brother Ayo from Himetsu Study. And, and believe me, there's nothing critical I say of that guy. Follow Jesus. And he would tell you the same thing. Follow Jesus. If what I say measures up with scripture, great. The moment I lean away from scripture, drop me like a 10-foot pole. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. I'm going to make mistakes. Heck, Peter made mistakes. Paul confronted him on it. And that's what the church is. The church is a bunch of flawed individuals who love Jesus, who are following Jesus. They're going to make mistakes and they're not going to get everything right. But we don't follow Pastor Joe or Pastor Dave or, you know, Bishop so-and-so or Pope such-and-such. We follow Jesus. And the assembly is gathered before God. When Moses called out the assembly, it was called before God. When we come together as an assembly, we're in the midst of Jesus Christ. Jesus is right in our midst. And we're called before God. And we worship God in a spirit of truth. Truth. We worship him in a spirit of truth and love. That's what the church is. It's not the Vatican. It's not First Baptist of such and such street or town. It's a people who are called out, a sanctified congregation called by God, who love God, who love Jesus and are worshiping him. And Jesus is in the midst of those people, whether it's two or three or 5,000 or a million. Be with Jesus. The rock is the confession, the object of that confession. It's Jesus. Well, that's it for tonight. I hope that this helped you with your understanding and theology of the church tonight. Um, I did my best to really explain it um, in a very simple manner so that everyone can understand. And uh, if you have any questions or, or doubts about anything I say, um, please let me know so I can clarify it for you. Uh, I know that this is a difficult topic to cover because we hear so many arguments, one from the Catholics, the Protestants, and I'm saying to you tonight, the one I gave, I believe is the strongest one. And that is, it's Jesus. Good night, everyone. And I will talk to you uh, on Monday. We'll be back. Remember, you can listen to the replay of this live broadcast here on Instagram or on podcast forum on all the major platforms. So have a good night and go to church on Sunday 
gather with some believers, stir them up with love and good works, encourage them in their faith, but gather with someone tomorrow. It's Sunday. It's the day of the Lord. God bless you, everyone. Good night.